Hello, and welcome to the Classical Currents Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Noble. On Tuesday, June 1st, the Classical Up Close Festival, featuring Oregon Symphony musicians on the loose all around the Portland metro area, it begins and runs for two weeks through June 14th. After being canceled last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it is back in an all-outdoor setting at homes all over the region. I talked with two of the musicians who started the festival 10 years ago, Oregon Symphony Concertmaster Sarah Kwok and principal cellist Nancy Ives. So the first thing I thought people might be really interested in how is, since we're in our eighth season of Classical Up Close, is how it began, why it began, and uh, who is sort of an instrumental in uh, informing it. You may remember, well, the listeners may remember, that in 2011, we went, the Oregon Symphony went to the Spring for Music Festival and had a, a success beyond our wildest dreams in terms of how it was received and how it impacted the community in terms of our own community in terms of creating a lot of pride and people having a great time getting to you know either go and go to the concert or live vicariously through us through uh, our success and hearing the the same program back here it was just fantastic so we were invited again in 2013 but uh, there was a major budget crunch and the board regretfully decided we couldn't do it because although they they the festival you know gives you the evening in carnegie hall they don't pay your expenses to travel and an orchestra is an expensive thing to travel so uh we had this this empty week in our um calendar in may and we were pretty devastated i'd say we were just all kind of in shock at the the loss of the opportunity we had a cool program and what it said about our institution, that we, we were not able to do that, right? It, it felt really, it was scary. It was scary, it was upsetting. I think a lot of us understood, you know, whether we agreed or not with the decision, we understood where they were coming from, you know, it was kind of, uh, and we just, um, so, so Sarah and Val and um, who else, Jen Arnold, um, Kyle, Kyle Mustaine was involved in the beginning. Yeah, we just sort of started brainstorming. Um, what can we do? I mean, it, it evolved. We also, so Thomas Lauderdale came in and sort of consulted with us too, because we knew he was so great at creating um, community events. Um, he had just done that 24-hour thing. Remember that, Charles? I think, Sarah, that was before you got here, right? But I remember because we thought about that when we were well, it was out of that's like taking it out of order. But so um, we just we really just talked to a bunch of people as a group and brainstormed. And even though I think we would have loved to try to do something to actually raise money, ultimately we decided that actually the amount of money we could raise wouldn't be enough to move the needle, but that we could do something more on the friend raising side of the equation that actually we, we knew that we owed the existence of the symphony to decades, over a hundred years of community support. And then in fact, the Oregon Symphony has a history of having an unusually deep and wide grassroots support in the community. We depend on ticket sales for a much higher percentage of our budget than 
any other orchestra in our class, I believe. So the idea of, um, well, I think we, we developed and, you know, interrupt anytime you want, Sarah, but I remember feeling, think we, we realized, okay, one thing we can do is just thank the community. Okay, I, I will interject something just for background that um, we musicians felt like we needed to do something, something in, in this two-week um, absence of concerts because I think to save money, management had decided, even though we weren't going to Carnegie, that they weren't actually going to put on any concerts during that period of time. And so we, we ended up with two weeks uh, empty. And we and that's when we were like, you know, we really can capitalize on this time. When do we ever have two weeks free? And we can just go out into the community and thank our supporters, thank our donors, make new friends, as Nancy said. Um, and that's how I think the idea evolved into Classical Up Close and going out into different neighborhoods, going to our motto is, giving free concerts where you work, play, and um, live. It was kind of a novel idea for the musicians actually to go out, to be mobile and go into different neighborhoods rather than you know, waiting for our patrons to come to the Schnitzer Hall to hear us play. And, and so that we could be more easily accessible, you know, classical music, that's also one of our priorities is to make uh, great classical music accessible to all people. So it's free and easy to access. And I, I, that has been key. I mean, I think early on we realized we had dual goals of thanking our people who are already our supporters, but and and then there's that making it accessible. And that's that has more than one um, aspect to it. There's making it accessible. It's an equity thing that even people who can't afford to come downtown or can't get away easily uh, at the times that our concerts are offered, at, at the, you know, at the Schnitz, for all those things that they have that access, but also that new, people who are new to it but are curious or interested would find have a risk-free, non-intimidating because people are intimidated. They tell we hear this all the time that they think it's a little, oh, it's too fancy or something. But if it's in the neighborhood church, that it's it's much more it feels friendly to them, and we're very clear up front. This is so informal, and just just don't worry, you know. And we just try to keep it super loose, and we hit right away on the formula of having Q and A between pieces. Boy, people took us up on that offer, and we would get questions from longtime concert goers who had always wondered something. Uh, people who like played instruments when they were kids, but. But you know, had and clearly knew some things, but they were curious. And people who are really new, they tended to be a little more shy. But we we hear from them enough to know that they're there, and that of course is very exciting too, because we want to make more friend, new making new friends for classical music. That was and the symphony. That was part of it too. I was just going to say, as far as questions go, my favorite thing that would happen is that a parent of a of a young musician would kind of pointedly ask the ensemble, so how many hours a day do you practice? <laughs> and you'd see you'd see the dismay on the face of the poor kid as people are like, well, three hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good learning tool. <laughs> it, it is. That's a perennial one, isn't it? Well, and also what we've learned also is that uh, people love getting to know us as people, as individuals, uh, and so many members of the orchestra, I mean, this doesn't apply, well, to the three of us, but so many members of the orchestra are never featured in solos, 
So no one, so people don't hear them as an individual, they just see them as a mass. And to get to hear how amazing every one of our colleagues is, I think is a real treat for people. And getting to hear people talk and you know, just get see their personalities because a lot of uh, times classical musicians are very, a little bit poker face and a lot poker face. <laughs> and you know, you don't want to, in an orchestra, it's not your job to be putting on a show it, about yourself and you have to, to, you don't want to draw focus from the big picture. So people are more restrained in their body language and their facial expressions than they would be in a solo or chamber music setting. And so I think people love getting to see that as well. They get to see that each of those people is an artist with their own unique voice. And then how, to me, that just makes it the miracle of an orchestra even more compelling because you realize that all those individual artistic voices are yoking themselves to the same, to create that one musical vision and one musical voice as like an organism, like one organism. And that, it really highlights that. Oh, plus we love getting to hear each other. <laughs> yeah. And then that part, that part? Yeah, no, I, I love, uh, like, like Nancy said, you know, we don't often get to hear those that are not principal players in the orchestra. So it's really a treat to hear everyone. And I think also in not just getting to see other members play, but also because of the questions, you know, the, the audience can ask us really anything personal or it's really fine. We're open to anything. And I feel like this way, they've really gotten to know us as human beings and as instead of just people that play on the stage, you know, and as Nancy said, or alluded to that, we're just kind of unapproachable and they're intimidated by us. It's remarkable how many friends we've made and relationships we've fostered over these eight years, nine years. The same people come back over and over to our classical post concerts. And we have fans that, you know, they travel to each one and, <laughs> and wear our uh, shirts and <laughs> sweatshirts. And it's really fantastic to see. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, the, the Grateful Dead has had have well had deadheads that would follow them around to their concerts. So what do we call the people that come to all of our concerts? We need a nickname, I think, maybe. Cluckers. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> and of course, those those people are, are great advocates because they're the ones who are going who are especially we know are going to be telling their their friends and neighbors about the concert, which is something I, we try to urge people to do because word of mouth is definitely an important, and until the pandemic, <laughs> word of mouth was, is a really important way for, to get those uh, new people involved who don't even realize they, how much they would love it. Yeah, and, and this is actually a really great introduction to classical music because it is so informal and there's no pressure. There's there. It's totally free. You can leave if you don't like it. <laughs> you, don't have, you know, we actually um, we actually encourage people to clap in between movements and not abide by the strict concert hall protocol. Um, we we like it when people are so excited that they clap in between or during a piece or. You know, we, we encourage that. We encourage people to take photos and, you know, which is not allowed in the concert hall, um, tweeting, all sorts of things. So this is this is kind of a different experience. And we really we really hope that people will um, bring their friends who are uh, kind of intimidated by classical music. I think one of the things that is going to be especially great this year is, well, for pretty much all of us, I haven't played for 
in front of a living person other than people I've been playing with since last March. So this is going to be our first chance to play for living, breathing people that we can actually see see them react and they can watch us. I've, I think it's going to be amazing. And I feel like we're going to have a lot of people because people are hungry for it. All I keep hearing is people can't wait to get back and see see us do our thing live again. So that's going to be really wonderful. So let's segue from that into, you know, as an organism, the the group has grown uh, in terms of its scope and the number of people participating. Sarah can, or Nancy, can you remember how many people initially were involved that first year? Because I know we're up to somewhere around 40 musicians taking part this year. Oh, yeah, we're actually beyond that. We're like at 53. I counted the other day. Wow. Yeah, 53. And we typically, um, every year, we, we get about three quarters of the orchestra involved. So it's it's in that 50 50 to 60 range. We were worried, weren't we, that that, that drop off over time? Because sometimes it's a lot of the same people who were signing up over and over. But I know there are a couple things that go on. New people come into the orchestra and people, okay, come on, do something. And, and you get to play a piece, maybe you prepared for a summer festival and you want to play it again. So it's important to mention that the musicians choose the repertoire. I mean, the pe- people sign up with a piece they want to play. They indicate to us which dates the group is available. And then we put together the programs. And it's like a miracle how perfectly it comes out every time. It isn't something. It's a miracle. It's just amazing. With a lot of hard work from some people behind the scenes that are right here with me right now. Well, I was going to add that, that sometimes um, to make, you know, Sarah will, will sort of, get on the phone and do a little arm bending just to get a few new people involved and to kind of up up the representation from the orchestra. But I think some people just need an opportunity. You know, maybe they didn't have a piece in mind themselves. They didn't come up with something to sign up with. So so Sarah comes up with something and, and uh, invite, you know, invites them in so that, that Sarah gets a lot of credit for making sure that there's a, there's a really nice nice number of members of the orchestra beyond just the the stalwarts who just happen to be the people who love to play chamber music all the time anyway. I I do have to say that in the beginning it was all volunteer um, but we decided that that wasn't sustainable for for future for the future years so we did become a 501c3 organization where we apply for grants and those grants go towards musician honorariums in order to keep the quality high and you know to get as many people involved. Yeah, we've been blessed with many, many um, foundations supporting our cause and also individual donations. We have to uh, give a shout out, especially to Linda and James Hamilton and the Schnitzer Foundation, the Care Foundation, and Walt Weiler and Truman Collins, uh, many, many people that have, that have given to support our mission here. Yeah, and that's a good place to to say that if people would wish to donate, that they can go to the website and find a very easy way to do that, and it's completely tax deductible. Yeah, and every little bit helps. You know, it's the honoraria are are not large. It's a very minimal amount of money, but it has. I think it has done what we hoped, which was keep people. It just instead of it have it being only a few, you know, the same few dedicated people over and over. It really does keep a broad group of the orchestra feeling like they can go ahead and devote that time to that. Um, and uh, there are other expenses. Now, we, we really work hard to keep those expenses to the bare minimum. I mean, we rarely 
we'll use, I mean, normally this year, obviously it's, it's all outdoor, all outdoor, but normally we use a lot of indoor venues and we just, sometimes we've seen one that was a really great op option, like in a neighborhood we hadn't been to and really well set up, but it just charges too much. And we just want, we just, nope. So those partners, which have often been for the full length evening concerts, it has usually been churches and we try to find other uh, types of venues and there are some community centers and things around that we've been able to to work with it's really their partners because we <laughs> we pre we just say how little can you know can you give this to us for free we really almost always have complete uh, buy-in from the the host venue as a, as a full partner giving it to us for free yeah and and um, all classical Portland has been a wonderful wonderful partner. Um, they are our official media sponsor and they have just been absolutely fantastic partnering with us in producing these concerts. Yeah, the overlap of mission, needless to say, is, is, is extensive. And we do know from surveys that probably the, the, the main way um, outside word of mouth that people find out about our events is from all classical, either from hearing it on the on air or seeing it on the, the listings, their their community event listings. This year, because it's all outdoors and it's relatively well informal, and because we don't have the the means to have to really have an extensive question and answer session with microphones and all, we're not having an MC. But usually, every year, Krista Wessel. Um, all classical Portland host Crystal Wessel ha has been our MC for the past few years, and she is amazing. And she's at all of our concerts, and she just knows how to draw the audience in. And she's she's fantastic. And I think a lot of people come just to see her. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's a lot of fans, a lot of fans. And she she is so behind our mission, and also gets it. And she knows so many of us. I mean, that that she, she, can, she can kind of steer the questions um, very knowledgeably. Uh, if, if like someone, if like there's a, if they're crickets and no one's asking a question, she'll ask one and get the ball rolling. And she's- Sometimes too knowledgeable, I would have to say. <laughs> True. <laughs> Maybe a little putting on the spot here or there. Just a bit sometimes. So what's the geographic area that we're covering this year? I know we try to get to kind of every nook and cranny of the metro area. Actually, if you go on our website, there is an interactive map there, and it shows you all the concerts um, that, that are taking place. And we we have actually a good... good um, a variety of concerts all over there. I mean, good distribution geographically. We're the, let's see, the farthest north, well, it's in Northeast Portland. And as you said, we were out in Oregon City this year. And then we're in Milwaukee. We're in um, Lake Oswego. And then over to the west, we're in Beaverton and, you know, far west Beaverton. Um, so I, I think, it, except for downtown Portland, which we actually intentionally avoided this year because the Oregon Symphony was concentrating on doing parks concerts there and we didn't want to overlap or, you know, conflict. I think we, we have a, quite a good representation of different areas. And again, it's just pure luck. It just, it worked out that way. Yeah. People, because <laughs> of course the musicians in the orchestra live all, all over and people, off, you know, had places to offer that were all over. I mean, it's worth pointing out that we are, since we are completely independent of the Oregon Symphony, but we do, you know, like they consult 
with us and we consult with them to make sure we're not stepping on each other's toes because ultimately we really do have the same goal in mind, which is to serve the public with great music and to keep getting people involved and interested. And, and so there's no reason not to, to cooperate and we certainly do. Um, that's a great example of it. So the other the other thing I ha- question I had just for people that haven't perhaps been before is is it all classical music is there some other music that's often included or I think we have some tango stuff perhaps happening this year. Yes, we have two tango concerts. Um, Aaron Furby, Peter Fajola, and Robert Taylor will be presenting two two kind of uh, happy hour concerts in the Northeast. Um, the rest are basically classical music. I mean, we have some brass concerts, um, which they may add some jazz in there. Um, And then we have some new music. So it's not all just uh, dead composers. (laughs) We have some new new music, if anyone's interested in that, that's um, on June 2nd um, in the Northeast at Ron Blessinger's house. I was wondering just about locations, how have you picked them in the past? I know sometimes people volunteer locations, but are you actively seeking out different parts of the city to play in that we haven't been in before? We, we try to, we try to, again, we try to have a fair representation all across the metro area of Portland because of the, our schedule, you know, we can actually only have about six or seven at the most um, indoor concerts at churches or you know other other venues, and so as much as we'd like to like to go everywhere, um, we just can't, and we like to change it up every few years. So there are occasionally there are churches or other places that offer, but it's usually us going out and checking out a, ven- a church or, or another venue and, and seeing whether it's suitable for a classical close type concert. So this is for both of you. Um, what, what are you especially looking forward to this year, either hearing or taking part in? I'm actually, well, I, I'm looking forward to all three of the concerts that I'm involved in. Um, they're very different, but um, I'm actually kind of curious to see what it's going to be like to play. Um, my husband, Val, is actually playing viola in this concert. He's a violinist, but he's playing viola. And we're playing with a pianist who's going to be playing on an electronic keyboard outside. <laughs> so I'm actually kind of curious to see how that will how that will sound. <laughs> yeah, that that. I'm picturing Carrie behind an electronic keyboard and my brain just can't really visualize that. (laughs) But I mean, boy, is he a good sport. I mean, I'm I'm still remembering at one location, which I perhaps should rename was where (laughs) Sarah and I were playing Brahms trio with Carrie and we were doing the sound check beforehand. (laughs) And Carrie started, you know, at the opening it's a piano introduction and it was so out of tune. (laughs) <laughs> you need to prepare that piano. That and 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 Sarah and I started laughing. His like we lost it. Like we just and then tears down our faces. And and Carrie was like, "What?" And he looked at me like, what, what, "What?" And he had to stop finding because we weren't really playing anymore. And we just totally lost it. Like, you know what a good sport. I mean, he can make music out of. I think he could sit down at a desk and it would sound like a gorgeous piano. So. <laughs> 
I am also looking forward to um, reenacting the uh, Strauss uh, Capriccio sextet that the, uh, we did actually for one of the string ensemble concerts, um, the Oregon Symphony um, that we posted online on our, on our website. Um, and um, the, the Brahms sextet too, for the, for the Oregon Symphony, uh, for the Oregon Symphony recording, we actually tripled the parts. So we had three uh, on each part. So there were 18 players. And this time we're actually doing it as, as it should be with only six. So I, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That'll be fun and, and probably a lot less nerve wracking than that experience exactly. was. <laughs> Nancy, what what have you what are you looking forward to this year? Well, I'm only playing on one concert. I'm looking forward to playing with you two. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. That I did get. To, I I wasn't able to do any of the uh, the I don't know what you call them the, the the virtual performances that you guys are referring to because of my uh, family's need for strict COVID measures. So um, the last two weekends doing some of these outdoor concerts were my first time since something I did last fall, which triggered a a, uh, quarantine of me from the rest of of my family, right? So I mean, you know, that's, it it was very rare for me to be able to do things like that. And um, so just that, like you're saying, playing for people who are actually standing there, or it's just, that's going to be amazing. And just being able to look, look my friends and colleagues in the face and hear their sound directly and, and interact in the moment. I, I, early on in the pandemic, I did a piece with two other cellists that I wrote specifically so that it allowed for um, uh, latency. And we could hear, we were on a platform where we could, we could hear each other, but, the, but you couldn't know what the latency was. So I built that into the piece so that it wouldn't matter. And I will never forget how amazing it was for all three of us just to actually be playing with someone else and actually being able to hear them while you're playing. You know, that's something you can take for granted, but at that point it had been, uh, that might've been early fall, I can't remember, and it had been months. And it was just, it's just the way it makes you go, oh, cause I mean, we normally, how many hours a week do we spend in that, like, mind meld, that cooperative mind meld, and all of a sudden you were missing it? It's like, um, yeah, I, there's that whole, I mean, all the people missing touch, for instance, and all the oxytocin you get from, from hugs and, and just touch, and we know that that's been a, a, pan, a, a epidemic during the pandemic. Um, so I don't know what to call it for, for people who are used to, and I think this would apply all performing artists, dancers, actors, musicians, who are used to that intense presence and ex- an exchange of presence and energy and inter- interaction, intentional interaction, right? And all of a sudden we just weren't getting it at all. Playing on live streams where you just you play, but you don't get anything, you don't get any energy back. There's none of that loop, that interchange. It's, it's um, very draining. So just getting to, you know, it, yeah, the basics, that's what I'm really excited. And then getting to hear everyone. I'll be at a lot of the events, almost more than half. And um, so getting to hear people again is just gonna be wonderful. Carl, what are you looking forward to? You're playing in like 75% of these concerts. I don't know how this happened. I just, at, <laughs> at some point, it, 
I just was involved in so much that saying yes to another thing just didn't seem to appreciably increase the workload. It was just, okay, sure, why not? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Mozart quintet that we three are involved in because it's one of the first pieces like that that I became aware of when I was a budding violist. At that time, actually, even I was still a violinist and um, just just loving it and loving the personalities involved in the recording that I had at that time. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, Pixis Quartet and Musée Remix are sharing a concert of music by underrepresented composers, um, some alive and some not. So that'll be really interesting. Um, it's hard to pick. If- and I, wait, can, can I interject? And I think you guys have a surprise encore, right? We d- We're not going to mention what it is, but there's a surprise encore in that There, concert. There is a surprise encore. <laughs> the surprise for us is whether it will get rehearsed or not. <laughs> we'll see. Plans are underway. So, yeah, that'll be really fun. Thanks so much for being here. Is there any last words that you have to say on behalf of the... Is it a festival? It feels like a it's a festival, isn't it? Because it's very festive. It's a festival, for sure. From the 1st to the 14th, almost every day we have con- one, if not two concerts. And I just ask um, for, for fingers crossed and good thoughts that we have continued good weather. <laughs> right? I mean, this is terra incognita for us. We've only had a smattering of outdoor things in the past for as blitzes. I'm just like holding my breath. I, every day I look at the 10 day forecast and go, looks, it looks like it's going to be sunny for the next 10 days. Yeah. Week one looks good. It might actually be hot, which is kind of amazing for the first week of June. I'm really looking forward to that actually. So, um, but I don't have to do any logistics or anything like that. Um, so thanks very much, Sarah Kwok and Nancy Ives for joining us. And we look forward to the festival. Thank you, Charles. Thanks so much for joining us for today's podcast. As usual, you can find links to items of interest discussed in this episode by heading to www.classicalcurrents.com forward slash show notes. And if you have the time, please stop at iTunes and leave a review or rating. It will help gain a larger audience for the pod, and I'd be eternally grateful for your support. Finally, our theme music is composed and performed by Oregon native violist and composer Kenji Bunch. Find out more about Kenji and his music at www.kenjibunch.net. See you next time. <laughs>